right, everybody. Welcome back to the final podcast of the regular season series of the Bama Factor with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon. I am your host, as always, Alex Taylor, joined by my co-host, Cody Saxon. Cody, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? Pretty good, buddy. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good weekend. Definitely happy to come out of this weekend with a win over the rival. It's been a pretty good week so far. I've been really excited about this episode, so let's, let's go ahead and get down to it. As have I. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, always good to get a win. The Iron Bowl, um, you know, senior day at Alabama, honoring a lot of seniors that have uh, propelled the program to where it is. Um, a lot of uh, very good uh, players that uh, were showing out in their last game in Tuscaloosa uh, and just kind of waiting to see what happens in the postseason. So, uh, without further ado, uh, I'll turn it over to my stat guy, uh, Cody Saxon. He's going to take you through some – recap stats uh from the iron ball so cody take it away absolutely buddy uh so yeah i'll go ahead and throw out some numbers so uh obviously alabama coming out with the win uh this past weekend so they put up 516 total yards as a team while auburn put up 395 um the majority of alabama's yards did come from uh passing which was 343 uh passing yards and uh set only 77 for uh auburn and then you got uh, 173 rushing yards for Alabama and 318 for Auburn. So, um, pretty big, uh, pretty big gaps for one in our favor, and then rushing not as much, um, a little bit in Auburn's favor. Um, so you got uh, Jameer Gibbs led our rushing, um, 76 yards. Bryce Young actually came second in our rushing category with 48 yards. Um, not a whole lot of touches uh, for McClellan, uh, only 11 touches. Gibbs got 17. Um, and then Williams only got one touch for five yards. So not a whole lot of rushing production, but um, we can't. We do have to, you know, give a head a head nod to Auburn for their ability to rush. We kind of knew going into this game that uh, Ashford didn't have much of a cannon on him, that we knew that the majority of his yards were going to come from rushing and the other uh, running running players on their team as well. So, uh, yeah, Hunter put up 134 yards. Ashford put up 121 and Bigsby put up 63. So, yeah, definitely took the lead in that category. But in the end, we held him to 77 passing yards. Um, like I said, we knew Ashford didn't have much of a cannon on him when it came to passing. So, I definitely held him there, and that is definitely what gave us the advantage of that, as well as uh, their four out of 14 third-down conversions. So, their inability to convert on third down um, definitely uh, kept that lead that Alabama was able to establish. And the turnovers for Auburn, which Bama uh, scored off both of, uh, that definitely helped create that gap that in the end ended up being uh, definitely a deciding factor, that gap that we were able to maintain through the majority of the game. So, yeah, that's that's it for most of the broad stuff. I'll pass it back over to you. All right. And, uh, Cody, I got a question. Um, do you hear that? Do you hear it? Do you hear the winds of change? <laughs> I um, sure don't because it looks about the same, don't it? Yes, it does. Uh, I had to throw that in there. If you listen to the podcast last week, uh, we kind of – dove into the winds of change and changes in the air. So um, the motivation ran out and the caddy was definitely wrecked uh, in Tuscaloosa. So, um, yeah, just kind of talking a little bit about this game, uh, just obviously great atmosphere. Uh, Cody and I had the uh, privilege of going to it. Um, wonderful atmosphere, just a uh, good way to end the season. Uh, three years in a row um, coming out on top in the Iron Bowl. Um Really good showing from the offense. Uh, play calling was actually, uh, I got to admit, it was a lot better 
than previous weeks, a lot more consistent, um, stretched the field a lot more, uh, was able to use Bryce a lot more in the way he should be used. Um, but jumping into our first segment, kind of going off of the Iron Bowl, um, if it was the last game for these two, it definitely was a fond farewell for Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Uh, these two guys, uh, two juniors on the team, obviously eligible to go in the draft, expected to go top five, each of them. So would be very shocked if they came back. Would love for them to come back. But, um, you know, Bryce Young shined in his last game inside Tuscaloosa, you know, 20 of 30, 343 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, did have the one interception, but kind of came when it didn't matter. Um, Will Anderson, again, five tackles, four solo, three tackles for a loss, two sacks, eight pressures on the day uh, was the Will Anderson we've all come to love and admire over the last three years. Um, and, you know, just seeing these guys, you know, play their last game and getting to be a part of that, getting to, you know, see um, these guys on the field for the last three years and getting to see them in person has been uh, – a joy because these two have cemented a legacy that I don't think will ever be matched, at least for a while uh, in Alabama history, because they literally embody what it means to put on the crimson jersey, what it means to wear the A, and what it means to uphold the standard at Alabama. And Bryce, with just his leadership, his humble attitude, uh, how calm he's always been in the face of adversity. Um, Will with just his mentality of, you know, he always – he came in as a true freshman, you know, say, you know, you got to match my intensity. And an 18-year-old that comes in like that, it's very hard to get guys who were that young, you know, two years ago when he was a true freshman. And his very first collegiate play, I remember he was in the – I mean, he, he literally hit the quarterback in the backfield his first collegiate play. And, I mean, I said, this is amazing. Um, so – uh I mean, honestly, I just think these two guys, um, I got a little emotional seeing Bryce go off the field because he got emotional um, as well. And, and, and uh, But these guys are just proud to be from Alabama. Um, you know, Bryce coming from California, Will Anderson coming from Georgia. These guys are proud to play for Alabama. And, uh, and um, you know, if it was their last game in Tuscaloosa, it has been a joy to watch these two. Yeah, for sure, man. Definitely been a journey. Um getting to watch these guys grow into the, the positions and the leadership roles that they both took on both sides of the ball. Definitely something to see. Definitely could see that. Uh, I mean, the numbers reflect it, you know, what quality players they were. But I think overall, uh, some of the things we've heard, you know, from their teammates, what the teammates have had to say about them, and just overall the impact they've had on the team, not only on the field but off, uh, it just goes to show that, you know, they were definitely, you know, the standard of this program. And they definitely, you know, played and lived to the to that standard like you said so a very very heartwarming yet bitter you know bittersweet moment uh for them if this is their last game in Tuscaloosa like you said it's been nothing but an honor to be able to be a fan of the program while they've been in it and they have you know much gratitude and appreciation from from the fans you know for what they've been able to do for this program uh for sure and and, and uh safe to say these two guys gonna be playing on Sunday for a long time so uh, so yeah, that's uh just absolutely wonderful to watch these two guys, um, as well. Uh, so now jumping into our second uh, segment, obviously uh, now looking to the postseason. Um, I know at the beginning of this year, um, definitely not. We we thought we would be 
playing for the SEC title this week. We'd be doing a podcast previewing SEC title against Georgia, but unfortunately we aren't. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just how the cards fell this week. But kind of looking at the postseason, uh, if you watched college football playoff rankings last night, Alabama came in at six. Uh, kind of the talk all weekend from Ohio State getting um, physically dominated by Michigan by 22 points um, was, you know, well, Alabama or Ohio State coming at five. And Alabama came in at six. And, you know, we could sit here and argue all day why Alabama should be at five and why six is a good ranking. But, you know, without a lot of help uh, this weekend, uh, you know, Alabama's playoff hopes look to come up just a little bit short. But still, the fact that we went 10-2, and lost two games uh, on the last play of the game, and we're still in the playoff conversation just shows you that, number one, the committee, they respect Alabama as a whole. I'm going to try to keep my personal opinion out of it. I mean, do I think they got it wrong last night? I do because, you know, we beat our rival by 22. We did what we were supposed to do. Ohio State got beat by 22 at home, and they just didn't get beat. They got slaughtered at home. So, you know, we haven't gotten slaughtered in our two losses this year. They were on the road at the last second. It took a two-point conversion call. I mean, it took, you know, a Hail Mary pass to get them in field goal range for Tennessee. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, we've been blown out. Um, in those two losses as well. But, you know, keeping personal things aside, um, something I do want to take note, and I know Cody will be happy about this, even though we finished 10-2, Bama has still finished ahead of Tennessee and LSU, the two teams they lost to. Yeah, I, th- I think that just goes to show, like, overall the quality of the team, yeah, for sure. The the fact that uh, I remember, man, Tennessee got hot in the first half of the season and everybody was sold as the best team. In the SEC, the possibly the best team in the country, and then it. Yeah, they did they beat us? Absolutely. Did they beat us by a lot? Absolutely not. Forty nine points is a lot of points to put up against the so you know the proclaimed best team in the country at the time. So, you know, I haven't said all that, but yeah, coming out of ahead of them just goes to show that that uh, resilience that the team had got us got us to that point in the season, and then that rivalry game where we were able to you know beat Auburn pretty handedly. Is definitely a reason for us to be still talked about in that playoff uh, picture while uh, the other two teams that we just mentioned aren't. However, yeah, like you said, we do fall a little bit short of that uh, potential playoff spot. Uh, like you said, keeping personal things aside. Still a testament to the resiliency and the, you know, uh, a bit. Had a season. Yeah, and just one other thing I want to say on this. Paul Feinbaum, who is – easily become Alabama's biggest hater this year and a guy who has just really started to just really get under my skin this year. Um, He said that Alabama had no quality wins this year and that all their wins were close that needed to be blowouts. Well, if you really want to talk about, and he said no other team has had close wins like that, well, he's wrong in that because Georgia had to have a comeback against Kent State and won 39 to 28. They had to have a comeback against Missouri on the road and won by three. They had to have they had to fight off a comeback from Kentucky and won by and, and won 16 to 6. You know, they started slow against Georgia Tech. I know they won 37 to 14. That's fine. But Georgia hadn't been all that this year either. All right. Now then let's go look at Ohio State. Come back against um Indiana. Come back against Maryland slaughtered by Michigan. You put up 21 points to Northwestern, a team that went 1-11 and this year. I mean, 
and your quarterback didn't even throw a touchdown. And they made the excuse, well, we had to play in the rain and the sleet up there. Well, guess what? So did Northwestern. So, I mean, you're not getting anywhere. And then if you really want to go to it, USC beat – or they lost Utah. They beat UCLA by three. It, you know, it took a comeback against several other teams against USC. All right. Um, and if you really want to talk about it, TCU in close games, up until last week against Iowa State, they had won their last seven games in a row by 10 points or less, and four of those games by five points or less. So you want to talk about a team that's cutting it close. Yeah, did yeah, we beat Texas by one. We beat Texas A&M by four. We beat Ole Miss by seven, or I'm sorry, by six. Yes, but outside of that, those are still quality wins. Texas was ranked in the top 15 when we beat them on the road. Arkansas was in the top 20. We beat them on the road with a backup quarterback, I might add. Texas A&M still had a heartbeat when we beat them, and we didn't have Bryce Young. We had Bryce Young. We win that game easily by 21, 28 points. Then Ole Miss, top 10 team on the road. So we have quality wins. Paul's just trying to stir the pot. I think he's just still upset that Tennessee got slaughtered by South Carolina by 32 points. Um and um, so that's one of the huge things there. But, yeah, it definitely says a testament to how this team has finished the season for sure. But uh, kind of the projection for the bowl game, if we do not get into the playoff, if chaos doesn't insane this Saturday. Um, I've heard Sugar Bowl versus Ohio State, Sugar Bowl versus Kansas State, Orange Bowl versus Clemson. Uh, Mr. Saxon, which of those three would you feel like you would want to see personally, and which one do you think we probably will see? Well, assuming that nothing, nothing too crazy happens, uh, Ohio State would be judging by if if we play like we did this past Saturday, and if they were to play like they did this past Saturday, that would be a game I'd love to watch because who knows what that score could be uh, in our favor. Now, however, um, we've played Clemson in the past, we've played Ohio State in the past. I think Kansas State to me would be something that I would be intrigued to see, um, something that kind of we're not really familiar with. I'm I can't. Can't quite think of a time we have. Have we played them in recent years? Uh, not in the Saban era, but um, it may have been years and years and years ago, I and mean, probably before we were born. Because I don't remember any time really in the two thousands playing Kansas State. So, yeah, so that that's just to me because it's unfamiliar. I feel like it, it, to me it would just be interesting to see just because it hasn't happened. Um, in, you know, in our fanhood um, time span, so. That would be cool to see, but in all reality, assuming everything stays the same, I think Ohio State-Alabama is the game to have, uh, judging based on the seasons and where the rankings sit. I think that would be the game that's probably going to happen. Uh, for sure. And um, the last part of this segment, um, just a quick yes or no question. Uh, do you think there's any opt-outs? Oh, man, maybe? I, 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 I couldn't even tell you. Man, I, I, every time I, I I take a take a yes or no stance on this on this joint, I'm always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I there could be, but I feel like Bryson will hold the standard. And you know, if they do, more power to them. I understand, but I don't think there's going to be any. I mean, because I mean, I think these guys are proud to wear it. I think they want to suit up one more time, go out on a high note. So. I really don't think there would be. I mean, I think because, you know, if you've seen in years past, I mean, even 2019 when we had two losses, you know, we had one guy opt out, Trevon Diggs, he opted out. But outside of that, you know, Jerry Judy didn't opt out. Henry Ruggs didn't opt out. You know, Xavier McKinney, he didn't opt out. Shaheen Carter, you know, several guys who could have gone. Anthony Jennings, he played. So, I mean, 
a lot of the seniors on that team played who went in the draft that year. I mean, Jedrick Wills, you know, a lot of these guys. So I don't think there's any opt outs. Um, That's true. I, I, I didn't, there's one thing I didn't think about was I don't know. I'm judging based on what we saw Saturday, I, it, it may be possible to say that Bryce's injury is in the past, but if not, if there is any kind of agitation to that shoulder, any kind of agitation at all, I wouldn't blame him one second for playing it safe because now he's essentially got a whole off season to to baby it and go into you know the rest of his career if if he doesn't do it. So I, I wouldn't blame him. I, I feel like the fan base probably wouldn't see it that way. I feel like just knowing us as a fan base, I feel like we'd probably be pretty upset with him if he didn't. But it is his career to choose with what he does. And like I said, I wouldn't be mad at. I would understand it, but. Like you said, I think they're proud of it, and I, and I think they care enough about the program and about the team that they currently have that it, it, it probably won't happen. I wouldn't expect it to, but like I said, it's possible. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely ready to see where we land and, uh, you know, definitely see this. Um, so going to go ahead and jump to our third segment, uh, talk about a little bit about recruiting, look to early signing day, just a little over uh, three weeks away, getting very excited about it. It's one of my favorite times of the year outside of the season. Um, we get to see uh, all of our new players come in. Uh, we get to welcome more guys to the standard. Um, so as of right now, the majority of the class seems to be locked in. Um, been hearing a lot of things. You know, Justice Haynes is confirmed. You know, he says, I'm locked in. Caleb Downs uh, has confirmed it. You know, Richard Young, a lot of these guys have been saying they can't wait to get here. I think you're going to see, you know, out of these guys enrolling, you probably see probably close to 14 or 15 guys enroll early in January. So they'll be there for the spring. You'll get to see them in the 8A game. So kind of getting a head start on campus. Um, but there's some recruits that are kind of on the fence with Alabama uh, as well. And I'll just go through a couple of them. Uh, a guys, two guys we talked about a lot on this podcast the last couple of weeks in recruiting, Qua Resaw and James Smith from Carver High School in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, James Smith, a five-star defensive tackle. And uh, Qua Rusaw, um listed as an edge rusher on some, but also as an inside linebacker on some other uh, recruiting services as well, also a five-star. They're kind of a package deal where one goes, the other one's going to follow because uh, they are very good friends apparently. So those guys – visited for the Iron Bowl. They have another official visit next week. Um, Saban has an in-home with them. You know, Saban's really good at reeling them in on the in-home. So, uh, hopefully to see those two. Um, probably uh, another one that's been talked about, uh, Aaron Smith. He's another linebacker who was originally committed, I believe, to Memphis a couple weeks ago. And um, decommitted. And he was on Alabama's radar for a while ended up kind of resurfacing after he um, reopened his recruitment. So very potential um, grab for the tide on early signing period for that. Peter Woods, uh, five-star defensive tackle from Thompson High School, um, currently committed to Clemson. But this – I've always kind of seen this even when he went to Clemson as this is a flip because it was down between Clemson and Alabama. I feel like with how Clemson's finished the season – um, you lose South Carolina, you lose to Notre Dame, and Saban's got to end home with him in two weeks. So I feel like that's going to be the turning point maybe. And if he stays with Clemson, that's fine. Um, and then, of course, uh, Sunterine Perkins, he is currently committed to Ole Miss. He visited for the Mississippi State game and the Auburn game. 
kind of be kind of looking as a flip as well. He's listed as an athlete, very, very, very um, capable uh, player to come in, and I think you know having uh, a pretty huge impact in his first year, and probably the most talked about recruit nationwide. Number one edge rusher, five star Keon Keeley. Um, he actually received two crystal balls earlier this week to Alabama. He visited for the Iron Bowl. It's kind of been down to between Alabama and Ohio State. He was supposed to be in Columbus for the Ohio State-Michigan game last week. Changed it to Alabama-Auburn. I think he made the right choice, Cody. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, definitely panned out for us in that favor. Yeah, but I going to everything, every player that's that was that was able to visit um, and be able to be a part of the environment that was there uh, in Tuscaloosa, dude. I it would sell me if I wasn't even if I didn't have a dog in the fight. Of course I did because you know roll tide. Uh, but you know that the environment, the culture, the the just the entire team, everything, man. It, I I don't know how it couldn't sell somebody that was on the fence. So hopefully it did, and hopefully those guys will you know bring bring some much needed uh, future talent to the team. For sure. And then uh, as we run out this segment, I uh, just want to um, update anyone who hasn't heard. Uh, the transfer portal um, window opens next Monday, and we've already had some guys enter it. So the guys who currently entered it, cornerback uh, Kyrie Jackson, running back Trey Sanders, offensive tackle Damian George, center Tanner Bowles, wide receiver Christian Leary, uh, kicker Jack Martin, and wide receiver Treshawn Holding. Uh, Christian Leary um, came as a surprise, but he didn't get on the field this year after he had a great 8 day game. Um, I'm really actually surprised he didn't get on the field this year because he has over-the-top speed. Treshawn Holden surprises me a bit, but uh, if you caught the post on the page earlier today, our receiver room has a lot in it. I mean, with the potential of guys to come back, for sure, who are only sophomores and freshmen, I think Treshawn kind of saw – Okay, Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice, and Isaiah Bond, all true freshmen this year, played a lot this year. Ja'Cory Brooks was only a sophomore. JoJo Earl was only a sophomore. Jermaine was only a junior. Tyler Harrell has the potential to come back. They have four guys coming in. I mean, he was going to get lost in the rotation. Trayshawn started off the year good, kind of started experiencing dropping the ball. He got um, – his spot taken from him, and then, you know, he kind of emerged at the end of the season. But so I understand why um, these guys go, but, you know, we're bringing in 25 to 30 more guys this year. Saban's going to hit the transfer portal. You know he is. He's hit it hard the last two to three years. I mean, he's brought in Jamison Williams and Henry Toa Toa last year. Um, he brought in Jermaine Burton, Eli Ricks, Tyler Steen, and Jameer Gibbs uh, for this season. So I think he's going to hit it hard again. But um, I definitely understand why guys transfer uh, the portal. You know, every year I've had so many people tell me today, Alabama's ruined, you know, Alabama's through, you know, Alabama's imploding. We're not imploding. I mean, this happens every year. And it happened before the transfer portal was a thing when guys could still transfer. It's just broadcasted more now because of the portal. Because anytime someone goes in the portal, it instantly hits social media. It instantly hits ESPN. It instantly hits on three. Like, it – it's going to be broadcasting now that there's an actual portal and there is a window from December the 5th to January the 18th of where guys can transfer and find a school. 
And, you know, there's tons of players in it. At this time last year, there was over 4,000 players in the portal last year. So we're not broken. Alabama's not having any internal issues, for those of y'all wondering. I mean, this happens every year. It happened even before the portal. I mean, 2015, 14, 13. I mean, we had plenty of guys transfer every year. It's just because Alabama is a school of where, yeah, you're good enough to play at Bama, but you got – a hundred other guys just like you and you got to break into the rotation. And if you don't in two to three years, sometimes um, those guys tend to go elsewhere. You know, I understand why. So it's not the fact that Alabama's going downhill or they're bad or, you know, they're, you know, anything like that. It's just because there's just so much talent on the roster that sometimes you get lost in the talent. That's right. I mean, I get it on both sides of it, dude. Like when you've got such an elite program, inevitably there's going to be better chemistry with other receivers, other rushers on defense. You're going to have better chemistry with your coaches, everything. I get it. Like I get it. You got to do what's best for you. And when, when you got these kind of top tier players who have potential, you know, lifelong careers, making millions of dollars in the NFL, you got to do what's best for you. And simultaneously the school's got to do what's best for winning the, winning the games that are on the schedule and furthering the program. So, I get it both ways, um, but for sure, um, Al, I think you're right. I think Nick Saban's definitely going to capitalize on uh, capitalize on it, just the same way the players are. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, and I had one person ask me today. It says, "Does Saban know these guys are transferring?" And I'm like, "Well, what do you think?" I said, "He he." I said he talks to every one of them. He talks to everybody who's going out for the draft. He's talking to everybody who has the potential to graduate or to come back for a year or to transfer. I mean, he talks to all these guys. And, I mean, you better believe when Saban sees that somebody's transferring, he's saying, okay, they're off the roster. Do I need to replace this person? Like, or do we have enough guys already at that position that where if we lose one, it's fine. And at wide receiver, honestly, right now, we can afford to lose a few guys because if you saw the post earlier, just like I said earlier, if that turns out to be true and that is our wide receiver room next year, that's 16 wide receivers in that room. So we have wide receivers. So we are fine. Okay, we are fine. We have 16 guys who could play that position. So, and running back, we got the two best ones in the country coming in, one and two coming in. We'll have four already there next year. So that's six. We have a deep quarterback room. We're going to have four to five next year. We have a deep offensive line room. All right, we're going to have a deep secondary. I mean, so we're fine. I mean, and you got to remember, we're bringing in 25 to 30 more guys in this in this recruiting class so even if we lost 25 guys to the portal we are literally zeroing out what we just lost with a recruiting class so um and the biggest point of this statement we're still number one in recruiting as well gonna finish that way probably as well so saying that we're gonna jump to a q a um that we submitted uh that um we put out there you guys ask questions thought it was the perfect time to do this. Um, so, Cody, I'll go ahead and uh, I believe the first question is for me to answer. So I'll go ahead and let you ask away, and then we'll just go back and forth a piece. Good deal. Uh, kind of First question kind of feeds off what we just got done talking about. Uh, so for you personally, just based on what you've seen um, and what the transfer portal is looking like right now, how many players do you think will have transferred? Well, we've already got six, and if you kind of look, they're kind of spread out. You know, offensive tackle, two wide receivers, um, a center on the offensive line, a running back, and a cornerback. I say 
you'll see some three and four deep guys transfer that have been there a while. Um, I think definitely about a two or three more wide receivers that have been there for a couple years are going to transfer. I think you could see uh, Jacoby Boykins, um, Tyu Jones-Bell, um, and I don't think any running backs will transfer, you know, because Jason Rordell will be back. Um, I don't think you see any quarterback transfer because Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson have the QB competition for next year. Offensive linemen, uh, no, because we're losing about three or – I think we're losing three to four this year. And I know two of those to three of those are starters or in the rotation. So, um, I don't think you'll see any offensive lineman transfer out of the two that we already have had. Uh Defensive linemen, we're going to be losing four off of the defense this year, so I don't think anybody transfers there. Um, you might have an outside linebacker like Demoy Kennedy or Quindarius Robinson transfer because they've been there for three years going on their fourth and haven't really broken to the rotation. So I could see either one of those two or possibly both transfer, especially if Keon Keeley commits. Um, but the outside linebacker room is still – very deep. And uh, secondary, I eh, I don't really see anybody transferring there either because Jordan Battle, Helms, and Branch are all leaving more than likely um, and possibly Ricks. So you're going to have a – it's going to be wide open next year outside of Kool-Aid. Um, so still have a lot to play with there. So honestly, I don't, I don't think we see too many more transfer. If we do, it's going to be guys who haven't seen the field. So – yeah, I, I feel you. I, I, I'm with you. Um, I don't. I, I can't say that any, except for like hold. I, I don't think many of what we've seen so far were unexpected or unbelievable to see. And I think, like you said, it's going to be more of the same moving forward. If we do see guys transfer, it's going to be guys that we could expect to be going after potentially more playing time, more opportunity to succeed in easier conferences to play. So I would, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few guys, like you said, that haven't seen a whole lot of playing time. Yeah, exactly. All right, now moving to your first question. Um, who is our QB1 for next season? So I think this has a lot to do if we make coordinating changes on offense. Um, so you know me. Ten years ago, I, could, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around this being a potential at Alabama, but – I love the run-pass option. I abso- I think it works when you run it properly. Defenses can only do so much to prepare for. We've seen it, especially in the SEC. We saw a little bit out of Tennessee this season, a little bit of Auburn this season, a little bit of LSU this season. Every team that was semi-successful, I feel like, not every team, but a lot of the teams that were semi-successful in the whole nation have been running some form of run-pass run option, at least a little bit. And having said that, I feel like Jalen Milrow, did not perform spectacularly for the few the few minutes he was on the field this season. However, I feel like with the proper preparation and the proper training, and I think that he has the capacity to to be able to run that kind of offense. Um, like I said, not every play, but pretty often, run that type of offensive uh, strategy. I think he could execute it very well uh, if he could get ball security down and if the offensive line can keep him safe and he can get comfortable under pressure in the pocket and out of the pocket, I think Jalen Milrow could end up being an amazing quarterback, potentially uh, 
nah, I'm not going to speak that because I don't want to <laughs> knock on wood on that. But I can see him becoming one of our great quarterbacks if, if he can do, do that. So I'm going to say for, for just for me and my personal uh, interest and, and my personal uh, favoritism towards the run-pass option, I hope to see him uh, step up and, and show out and be able to run the offense with the uh, – you know, that kind of – you step on the field command the respect of not only your own offense, but, you know, the command the respect of the team you're playing against too. So, I hope he can become that presence. Yeah, uh, I definitely hope the same thing. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite way from you. Um, just from what I've seen and just um, – obviously, Milrow has the upper hand, but um, – and I think he will be the favorite going in to the spring um, and the 8A game. But Ty Simpson – bring something to the table. You know, if you look at him in his high school career, senior year, you know, he threw for over 3,600 yards, but he also rushed for like 1,200 yards. And, you know, this comes from a guy who, you know, you look at him and you might think, oh, you know, he can't – He's he wouldn't be that good of a runner. But, you know, ran for over 17 touchdowns as well. And, I mean, just – he's got escapability. He's got good speed for his size. Um, and I think with a little more coaching – someone who can really work with him, I feel like he has the potential to be a Mac Jones type, but even more athletic than Mac Jones. And because I feel like he's got a very accurate arm, uh, many guys on the team that actually uh, I've actually had conversations with personally over Instagram have said that Ty Simpson probably has the strongest arm of anybody in the quarterback room. And that includes Bryce Young. And, you know, but obviously Jalen Milrow has world-class speed and, I'll say this, if Milrow doesn't win the job, he needs to still be the backup quarterback, but they need to use him in like a running back jet sweep type thing because he is too fast to be kept off the field. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, And, you know, from my stance, in in the scenario that if he doesn't win that position, which I think he deserves, but uh, I think he has the potential to be great in it, but if he doesn't win that, then, yeah, I definitely got to utilize him somehow. For sure. I mean, kind of do what you did to Jalen Hurts when Tua became the quarterback. You know, they split Jalen out at a wide receiver and, you know, started using him in jet sweeps and, and you know, called it the aqua package. So, I mean, you know, because, you, you know, he was a good athlete and, and uh, they had to use that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, we'll keep uh, going on with the questions. So, hit me with another question. Thank you, man. Uh, so, kind of – we also touched on this a little bit earlier in this episode. Um do you think that Bryson will opt out of the bowl game? Okay, uh, this is going to be a short answer. Um, just kind of like I always said, um, no, because I don't think they'll do that because they hold up the standard. But kind of like what you said, you know, if Bryce um, has any injury still to that shoulder, I wouldn't blame him for opting out. Um, so, but uh, personally, you know, if they're both fully healthy and everything, I don't think they do. I think they go out on a high note. And I think they play their last game in Crimson. So, Kind of short, sweet to the point. Yeah, I like, like, like I said earlier, uh, I don't see, I don't see Will Anderson opting out for any reason. I think he's just too much of a dominant force, and he doesn't have as much to lose. I think because of Bryce's injury, I think he might have a little more on the line if it's agitating him. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see either one of them doing it. Like I said, unless that's the case. Alrighty, we're now getting to your question, and I know you're gonna love this one. Who is your favorite running back from Alabama in the Saban era? Well, you know the answer. And I do know your answer. You know the answer. Oh, T. Rich, T. 
Trent Richardson, man, let me just talk about it, dude. He, I've never, I've never been electrified by a athlete at Alabama like him. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you look at overall stats and you look at overall success post post college career in in pro, he's not the guy that is the that your typical. Oh, he's the greatest I've ever seen. But man, if you saw it live, if you saw it in person, if you, it was a whole nother level, bro. I mean, if you saw the 2009 national championship against Texas, if you saw, mm. if I mean, man, he just was he electrifying. Cut on a dime, speed. You know, I compared Jameer Gibbs to him this season a lot because he had that quick. Right as soon as the ball touches his hands, cuts through the hole, finds the hole, and the acceleration was insane. He was so electrifying to watch. To me personally, he'll always be my favorite. You've got the greats. I mean, you've got Mark Ingram, you've got Derek Henry, you've got Eddie Lacy. What's crazy is as far back as I can remember Alabama football going, we've had at least one running back that was like always in the talk of he's the best rusher or Heisman talks or ended up first round, second round draft pick, ended up having semi-successful NFL careers. I mean, you got Mark Ingram still playing to this day. I mean, you've got Derrick Henry literally running the AFC. Like, come on. <laughs> and I mean, even you know some I mean? of the lower caliber guys, Josh Jacobs leads the NFL in rushing right now, and he was a three-star. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but uh, to me personally, Trent Richardson always will be Trent Richardson unless somebody comes along and stuns me like he did, which good luck. <laughs> Mine is going to surprise you. Um, I've told a lot of people this. A lot of people say, you know, it's got to be Henry. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed Henry. The stiff arm was legendary. Um, the way he was able for his size, six foot four, you know, almost two. 50 to be able to break away like he did and not be able to get caught. Great Heisman winning season. But my favorite is a guy very recent. Najee Harris is my favorite of all time because I have never seen a guy, a running back at Alabama. Now, Trent Richardson, I know one of his best plays, he had the juke against Ole Miss. He went forward and back and forward again, dropped the dude. Derrick Henry had a legendary stiff arm on a Malik Calhoun um, in the Cotton Bowl in 2015. That was him stiff arming a 300-pound man to the ground. Um, and but Najee Harris, college football playoff 2020, Rose Bowl in Jerry World, Notre Dame, when he cleared a man, I mean, full-on hurdled a man in the air and still had the speed to get down to about the three- or four-yard line, that right there sold me. I said, this dude is one of the best tailbacks to ever do it. I said, and it wasn't just that hurdle. He hurdled many moments in his career. And just the ability for him to cut on a dime, the speed he had, he could run over people, he could stiff arm people, he could hurdle somebody, sidestep them, and then stiff-arm somebody all in one motion. So, Najee Harris is it for me personally. So, Yeah, dude, I, I, I say, uh, that was my dad, dad's favorite player. I think maybe his favorite Alabama player ever. Uh, he, he would always yell, Najee! Like, you yeah. know, we had Coop and we had, you know, 
all of our guys. But dad was every time we'd be watching the game, he'd be yelling at us. So I was, yeah, I could definitely, definitely soft spot for him too. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's hit it with the next question. Yeah. I like this one. I like this one because we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, comparing it back to the 20, uh, 2019, 2020 season. But Alex, do you think we run the table in 2023? You know, my answer, uh, yeah. Um, and you know, I'll make it quick. Um, we got, we still have talent coming back. You got to replace Bryce and Will. Those are your two huge spots. Quarterback is going to be a huge spot, but I think coordinator changes, cleaning house on some of the position coaches, um, getting some of the guys out there that maybe don't understand the standard, reestablishing the standard, refocusing. Our schedule is very favorable next year. We have Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU at home. Uh, we have Ole Miss at home. Auburn's on the road, Kentucky's on the road, Texas A&M's on the road, Mississippi State's on the road, Texas is at home. So not really a tough road schedule next year, but I also think that the other talent that everybody else is losing as well uh, plays into our um, – kind of plays into our success as well. So, But I just think after this year, you know, possibly being able to open our offense more um, with RPO again, um, being able to open the defense more because everybody's not scheming around Will Anderson anymore. So my answer is yes. I think we come back with a vengeance, run the table in 23, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I still think, again, I still think we're going to be standard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that the coming off of this season, um, I know we're losing a good bit, um, you know, with – the potential of losing some of, you know, a lot of our big guys. But I do think moving in, uh, like you said, strategy-wise, coaching-wise, coordinating-wise, if we can get all that in line, I definitely think this sets up for a wonderful season, especially the way we've been able to finish out. Assuming we get a good bowl game, play well in that, definitely is going to segue into the momentum we need into a good season next year. Of course. All right. So here's your question, and I like this. All right. Very quickly, what is your top three moments of the year? It would be really hard for me to break it down into three specific moments. I think overall Bryce Young's performance against Auburn would definitely be up there. Just being able to see him uh, kind of step out and shine a little bit, especially against our rival. Um, and a little bit on another uh, kind of same same position, but that big run Jalen Milrow had one of the first times he touched the ball this season. I'll tell you mm. that I was – remember we were comparing him to Michael Vick. Obviously, we didn't get to see a lot of it. Bryce Young came back from the injury and all that, but, you know, I think Jalen Milrow has the potential to be great. Um, and I think number three, this might be number one. Those were – that was three and two. You want to know what number one is my favorite moment? Let's hear it. <laughs> Nick Saban saying, you should have seen the other guy. <laughs> oh, wonderful for this past weekend. Wonderful Dude, he, moment. Those are three he, good moments. He got – his face was so janked up, and he was like, you should have seen the other guy. And then he was like, unlike our players who had to go to the tent, they don't make them like they used to. Yeah, no, Nick Saban's him, bro. <laughs> He's a savage. That's great. If I had to say my top three, Bryce's game-winning drive against Texas in week two, dodging that sack, his knee not going down, getting Will Reichard into field goal range, hitting it. Um, the second one was Jameer Gibbs' 200 and 
15-yard performance that Arkansas had the two low runs, really showcased his speed. And I think also one of my favorite moments, um, it was just, like you said, witnessing Bryce Young and Will Anderson this year, you know, getting to witness those guys again. Um, and, uh, and uh, but, yeah, I would have to say Bryce's performance against Auburn as well, definitely some of my top three moments. And I would have to say, you know, the ending to the Alabama Texas A&M game, even though it was so nerve-wracking, um, I would have to say that as well. So, yeah, those are my top three um, uh, as well. So, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I guess we only got two questions listed left, so we'll go ahead and speed through these real quick so we can wrap it up. But uh, do you think we'll see Tyler Harrell next season? Uh, this will be short. Uh, I hope we do. He has the potential to come back. Um, he can use his COVID year, uh, from what I'm concerned, because this was his fifth year of football, technically, because he used his red shirt at Louisville. Uh, but with him not playing this year, I think they could appeal and, you know, say, like, okay, he can use the COVID year, because everybody can use the COVID year. COVID year didn't count. The NCAA has come out and said that. So he could use it. So I hope we do. I don't have a for sure answer, but I hope we do. I think he can come back. He can be fully healthy. And we can see him play this year and be a good, good weapon for our new quarterback to have. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. All right, and the last question for you, Mr. Saxon. Do you think we should have been ranked number five ahead of Ohio State last night? I'm going to say it like this. I think that everybody always talks about quality wins. It's definitely a topic of discussion. Alabama, People said Alabama hasn't had any quality wins, but I think the same goes for losses. I think if you look at Alabama, we missed we missed the playoff by four total points. One on a two-point conversion and one on a literally last-second last field goal. So if you look at this, the quality of losses were barely. And if you look at how well Alabama performed offensively and how close those games were, uh, and going back to what you said, Ohio State got absolutely stomped at home on home turf. Did Alabama get stomped on home turf at all this season? Absolutely not. Won every game at home this year. That's right. So I think that the quality, yes, we lost twice. Ohio State lost once, once handedly at after Alabama had. And towards the end of the season, at little margin where we performed so highly. So, If they had no, very much so. And me personally, I just think that we should have been ranked number five. I think the committee got it wrong, uh, just like what you said. Um, but out of all control, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend, and you, and you know, we'll see what happens. But um, any uh, final thoughts from you, uh, Cody? Uh, just glad to see us come out on top of Auburn in the end. I know that's one of the bigger games, me and you personally, throughout the season, you know, that in Tennessee. Unfortunately, the game earlier this season against Tennessee didn't go our favor, but we did beat Auburn. We were able to see it live and in person for my first Iron Bowl. Um, definitely awesome. Uh, glad to see that. So, roll tide. Uh, 
Cal College can kick rocks. And Indeed. Uh, let's see how their new head coach works out, see if he's as controversial moving forward as he has been in the past. Okay, sorry. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there, there we go. Um, and my final thoughts, um, for the 15th straight year, set a college football record, 10 win seasons for the 15th straight year, uh, overtaking Florida State, uh, previous record of 14. So hats off to that. And uh, one more quick thing before we wrap this up. We're running short on time, but I'll make it quick. Thank you guys so much for listening to this because of y'all and y'all's engagement and you sharing this podcast, you listening to it each week throughout the season. We officially have been um, awarded the top 20% most shared globally over all podcasts and uh, shared that on my story earlier today. Cody shared it on his. We are so grateful for that. And like I said, it's not just our award. It's all y'all's award because without y'all, we wouldn't have it. So, Keep sharing it. We thank you guys so much. That's a great accomplishment. Uh, we're honored to have it. Um, Cody and I are excited about it. We look forward to bringing you a lot more next year as well. But we're not through with this year. Still going to be continuing it through the off season. Um, talking about spring, we'll do a spring central podcast, uh, a day podcast, summer podcast. I mean, you know, we're going to be keeping you up to date on everything um, in the off season. But especially, you know, these upcoming weeks, we will be doing one next week. It'll be a little bit different. Uh, we're kind of going to be talking about the preview of Alabama, of uh, the Crimson Tide's postseason game, um, what's going to happen, and uh, we're going to see that. So, again, Roll Tide, we love all of y'all. Be sure to follow the page on Instagram uh, for a lot more content, and uh, we love you guys. So, Roll Tide, and God bless. Roll Tide.